Namaskaram, Vanakkam, Namaskar to all the P Guru's audience. As I always maintain that uh, it is a delight to talk to P Guru's audience because many of them give very valuable suggestions in the comments box and other things. I am very thankful to you. Today we will have a, a look at the global conflicts and how they are changing, how the world is getting reshaped due to these conflicts. The primary hypothesis is global conflicts are not anymore nation-state conflicts, but they are civilizational conflicts. As early as uh, 1990s, uh, Samuel Huntington uh, wrote about it and at that time there were a lot of criticisms and other things. But 9-11 uh, and so many other type of developments has uh, proved some of the assertions or some of the hypotheses he made in his uh, book, Clash of uh, Civilizations. Some uh, basic facts. In 1990, if you go back, not before, you know, some 30 years before, the G7, I'm sure all of you would be heard about a group of seven nations, they had 52% of the share of the global GDP. More than half of the share of global GDP in 1990. And the other major emerging markets and of that four of them are very major India, China, Brazil and Indonesia in terms of uh, demography. They had something like uh, one third. The other countries had uh, smaller sizes. And emerging markets one third and the emerged markets are 52%. But if you come to you know, pre-COVID, around 1916, 1917, you find that uh, G7 share in the global GDP has come down to one-third. And that of these emerging markets have gone up to 51%. There is a dramatic shift which has taken place. And the fall in the G7 is, uh, it's a secular fall. And uh, it's not something which uh, comes down, goes up, another thing. It's a continuous fall. So G7 is in an acute crisis. And post uh, this uh, COVID, the situation would have worsened only for them compared to the emerging market. And that's why the Angus Madison in his uh, profound study of the uh, global economy from uh, the Christine era till uh, uh, 2000, he mentioned that uh, India and China are not emerging markets. They are re-emerging markets. They are retrieving the position where they were. That was his uh, assertion. And G7, of course, is now expanded to G20. I think everybody knows in organization that uh, when you are in crisis, the best thing if you are a group working on something, you increase the size of the group. So the per capita blame will come down. If you are doing extremely well, you reduce the size of the group. So this is something very standard management uh, technique. So G7 has become G20. But still, G7 is in the main dining table. Countries like India or China are all not allowed to sit in the main table. A small stool is put and then you sit in the side of the table. That's a position. And G7 still thinks that they are in a position to dictate terms and set the agenda and other Further, if you take on a purchasing power parity basis, the top four countries in the world today are USA, Number one, China, India and Japan. These are the four countries which are on uh, purchasing power parity basis, uh, top four countries. In other words, in uh, if you had studied in school in the beginning of last century, people would have told you should study about uh, Britain, France, US and uh, USSR. These are the countries which are very important for the next 30, 40. Today, if you are studying in uh, school all over the world, they talk about USA, China, India and Japan. India is third in terms of the purchasing power parity basis. And uh, sooner or later, maybe in the next couple of years, 
China will be more than USA even in nominal term, leave alone in purchasing power parity, nominal term. In other words, it will cross 20 trillion very easily and China will become the number one country both in purchasing power parity basis as well as in nominal term. In other words, China will emerge as a superpower in this uh, part of the sec in the around the 30s and uh, after that for quite a number of uh, decades. This has been uh, you know shifting sands of uh, global history which we should know. If you go back in time around uh, you know 15th and 16th century you know Spain of course in those days it was not uh, called just uh, Spain Iberian Peninsula. Spain was one of the leading countries. Then uh, 16th century, it was a Portugal century because of their navigational skills and they went all around the world and then tried to conquer and 16th, that is some five, four centuries before. Today, I do not know many people will be able to spot Portugal in the world map. It was such a major uh, giant of a country in 16th century. Everybody, you know, Portugal used to set the agenda and Portugal used to be followed and many people in Europe, mainland Europe, other places, they learnt. Uh, Portuguese and other. They also established a lot of these colonies in uh, Southern American uh, countries. Then 17th became the Dutch. Then uh, 17th and a part of the 17th and 18th were French. We are not talking exactly of the full uh, century. Some later portion of the century other country began to dominate. And 19th of course was that of the UK and 20th is that of the USA and 21st is that of Asia, India and China. This is how the, the world uh, history can be. Uh, looked at. Of course, Belgium also played a role around the 17th and 18th. So small a country. It was one of the cruelest uh, countries of the which had colonies in uh, Africa. Next was Portugal in cruelty, then Dutch, then uh, became the French and then relatively UK was not as cruel as these countries were. Anyhow, that's a separate issue. So 21st is that of India and China. That's the type of a thing. Now, Many of you may be heard about it. Westphalian consensus in 1648. There was 30 year war, 80 year war and other thing where the Catholic Church as well as other type of smaller kingdoms of Europe were fighting. Some of that is between you and me is a major debacle or you know lies. You know they will say 80 year war. The war would have been fought only for 40-50 years. But you know like our Bhutto famously told we will have a thousand year war with India and other. Anyhow, these numbers have to be taken with a uh, sort of a bucket of salt. Anyhow, that after that, all that war, uh, they came into some agreement in uh, Westphalia. It's Europe. It's, a, it's called a Westphalian Consensus, 1648. Basically, what it says is non-interference in the sovereignty of individual nations. The first time sovereignty of nation was recognized and it was told that others will not interfere, including the church in those days. And uh, later, post 20th century, 50s, US began to meddle with many countries. What they thought are communist oriented or communist lean and, uh, leaning countries and other. And uh, then later on, UK also joined and then they you know, went into several countries to, you know, rectify the countries like Vietnam or to you know, avoid dangers from countries like Iraq and they told Iraq has got uh, chemical weapons and all these, uh, you know, the Washington Post and New York Times and economists, which are basically, which are, you know, followers uh, government policy, they also told and I think I did mention, they didn't find even one bottle of hydrochloric acid in Iraq, but they left Iraq in a mess. 
Anyhow, in 1999, uh, Tony Blair, previous uh, Prime Minister of UK, he gave a speech in Chicago wherein he clearly enunciated that the Westphalian consensus doesn't exist anymore. There is nothing called uh, sovereignty of nation. It is up to us, us, you understand. US, us mean uh, the white skin uh, to, you know, who are, uh, who are considered, considering themselves to be the most civilized, to interfere in the affairs of other countries and then set uh, agenda in terms of, uh, you know, usual democracy, civilization and all. This. So that uh, idea of uh, sovereign countries, uh, non-interference has been given a go-by after this uh, Tony Blair speech in 1999. And uh, we find in the uh, in this century, quite a number of uh, countries have been occupied and uh, uh, quite a number of countries have been, uh, you know, uh, try to be modified according to the Western norms of uh, functioning and other. In the meantime, we should also uh, recall or remember that uh, they are waging a war for a uh, um, 120 square kilometer area or something called Jerusalem from period one or period zero, what you may call it. And, uh, you know, the three brothers, the eldest brother consider it to be the holiest uh, places. Other two brothers are also not uh, leaving it and uh, this is going on. You know, in the last 20 centuries, approximately half a billion people have been killed for this uh, uh, small uh, area of land, which each one of them consider holy and holiest of the holy lands, uh, half a billion have been killed. And even today, it continues. And these are the uh, civilizations or these are the uh, people who talk about, advise others about uh, having peace and having normal key and uh, all this whole thing is bunkum. Now what has happened is the third brother who is most volatile and most uh, what one can call aggressive of the lot, he is extremely active all over the world. Some 52 countries have formed an organization of Islamic uh, countries and then they try to you know preach or they try to tell others uh, the do's and don'ts and other things, including India. So, over a period of time, the individual country sovereignty is not considered as much as important as the what uh, civilization you follow. This is the most important. So, broadly, we have uh, the Christian civilization, which is followed by the white countries. Within that, there are divisions like Roman Catholics and born-again Christians and other things, and Islamic uh, followers. And uh, we have the uh, Hindu, Buddhist, uh, Jains and other type of followers. And uh, the des deserters, what I call them, those who came from the desert, they are, uh, you know, well-identified uh, civilization or they consider themselves to be well-identified. If not civilization, they are well-identified religion at least. And they have the concept of blasphemy and other things. We all know about it. And they genuinely feel others of the world uh, would be benefited by following their methods and their systems. That is true for both actually. For instance, I will give an example. Armenia, many of you may have heard about it. Armenia had a massive genocide conducted by Turks in the beginning of the century. Actually, the Jewish genocide is second only, even though that is being uh, so much highlighted. The Armenian genocide was the first one and Turks doesn't want even to talk about. You will be surprised when uh, thousands of years before the Christians first went into Armenia, they had a Krishna temple. The first thing they did was to destroy that temple. And uh, you know, later they established their own uh, religion and uh, that uh, much later, as I told you, the Christians were put into the massive massacre by the Turkish groups. This is what is 
So this is not something exclusively only to Islam. The other Christians are also very much against pagans and like our Portuguese had in Goa the inquisition of killing people and other. So this is what has happened is the West or what you may call the white, one would mention it. Because of some of the developments, they could resist the church and conduct some activities. For instance, they could declare that some scientists that the you know, world is a globe and it is going around the sun. He was put inside for telling that by the church, but there were still people who were resisting and who were trying to talk in terms of some of these modern things, which incidentally, the idea that... The world is a globe and it is moving around the sun was known to the Hindu civilization long, long time before. And that was carried by the Arabians and uh, like this uh, mathematics and so many things. And this uh, uh, Islamic civilization, if you can call it civilization at all, they themselves say who they and uh, Said, one of the major uh, thinkers uh, was settled in US. A couple of years before you mentioned, uh, he is no more, I am not very... He mentioned that hardly some hundred books have been translated from other languages into Arabic. You can imagine their uh, level of uh, you know, competence or their level of understanding and others. And uh, many others have also pointed out practically nothing has been invented by the Islamic uh, groups. They have only invaded various other parts of the world and then tried to conquer and then tried to... They had some uh, uh, what one can call the mausoleums and... Uh, their graveyards. For instance, they ruled India for a reasonably long period, maybe around 300 years. And uh, they did not uh, you know, have any significant uh, addition to the Indian uh, thing. Existing, actually, they destroyed many of them. Anyhow, so they have never known as uh, uh, inventors or uh, originators of any great uh, thinking and ideas. The other side, the whites over a period of time, particularly in the latter part of the 20th century, they have become agnostic. You know, in Europe, uh, when they are asked to tick, they tick N-O-N-E. We don't believe in any of the religion. Northern Europe, particularly, the church-going habits and other things is practically died. Not many are enthusiastic. They are... And the problem is, quite a number of these Islamic people have settled in these uh, countries and they are now dictating terms. So that's why I call it Erobia. So the major conflict which is taking place, for instance, uh, if you go to the Africa, in Nigeria, recently, very recently, maybe two weeks before or something, uh, in a Catholic church actually, the Islamic terrorist entered and then shot dead 50 people at point blank. There is another uh, group, uh, Boko Haram, they call themselves in Nigeria. They kidnap children and they kill people in a bulk. It's not one or two individual terrorism. It's a they kill 100, 150 and other. So, much of it, of course, some people explain it as a tribal uh, animosity and other thing. But it goes under the garb of either Islam or Christianity. Nigeria is 50-50. So, they want to establish an Islamic uh, caliphate in Nigeria. As well as in adjacent places. Now, Burkina Faso and uh, uh, nearby Mali and other places, there is a huge war is going on. Not many people are even covering it because it doesn't uh, involve a white man. You see, unless something involves a white man, European or American, it's not a global issue as of today. But uh, their uh, position is declining. We should recognize that. India is the number four, as I told you. Nominal term also, it is uh, uh, going above Britain, uh, 
and France and it might even uh, touch uh, Germany soon. It's not such a very difficult. So as of now, they set the agenda or they set the terms who the white. But sooner or later, they have to give way for the yellow. That is going to happen. And uh, the brown has to decide whether it has to be with yellow or not. Brown is under great threat for two reasons. First and foremost is ours is not a unified uh, religion like Abrahamic religion. You can't just call ours as a in that sense of the term, in the sin, we are not congregating type, we are not having concept of blasphemy. And our whole ethos is uh, multiplicity and then uh, we are polymorphic. We are not polyethist, we are polymorphic. In the sense that we believe in one God in different forms. So we are polymorphic. So that is a type of a, for instance, for a long period of time, people used to ask, how did this uh, civilization got into this issue? One is, this civilization was always a, debating, discussing and searching. We were always searching inside. You see, the European model is to, uh, you know, uh, conduct wars against nature. Almost all their uh, uh, major activities stemmed out of destroying nature. After doing all that, now they are talking about, you know, we have to preserve uh, ecology, we have to preserve another. Even to wipe their bottom, they would have destroyed, I am sure, millions and billions of trees. So that is the best. The other one, the third brother, he has always been involved in terms of fight against other people. He wanted to increase the number, he wanted to increase the uh, geography, he wanted to increase. So, one is fight against nature, other is fight against other human beings. The third ours is fight within ourselves. In the sense, uh, we never uh, wanted to have any fight with nature or other human beings. Our search, our conflict is within ourselves. The relationship between Jivatma and Paramatma, how does Jivatma uh, get separated? How does it get merged into Paramatma? All this. And uh, debate and discussion are our core uh, values. Starting with Adi Shankara's uh, discussion, Usavi, Ramandan, Mishra. And uh, even recently somebody told me, what is this one sect of Vaishnavites in Tamil Nadu wants to have a, one type of a thing for elephant? Uh, what uh, symbol has to be put on its forehead? Another type of Vaishnavites want it to be different. For this 200 years, they have been debating and discussing because that has got some underlying philosophical connotations and other things. I only told, look, 200 years they are discussing only. They never had a belt bomb to finish off the others. This is very, very important. So the basic uh, uh, system here, it never understood Indian culture, Hindu culture never understood that there can be other belief system which think that it has to finish off those who don't follow or those who don't subscribe to that belief. This idea was uh, not there at all yet. So they were not uh, prepared to face such type of a uh, belief system. So there is a huge difference in terms of... Uh, so the polymorphic will have multiplicity of flowers, multiplicity of uh, uh, what one can call plants in its garden. So the civilizational crisis, civilizational conflict, which is going to continue for more time, not with nation states or anything. It's required for India, you know, Hindus, Buddhists, Jains and various other type of a non-aggressive and Asian-rooted civilization to come together. And that's the only way in which they can uh, meet the challenges. Second is they have to recognize and realize the other civilizations are uh, not, uh, uh, you know, not very soft or anything. Except, uh, as I told you, the European uh, brand of uh, Christianity, which is uh, slowly uh, withering away. And uh, they are waiting, you know, I'm sure, uh, 
the Islam is waiting to construct a uh, caliphate in uh, Europe. I wouldn't be surprised if it is headquartered in uh, Paris or in uh, Belgium. So they have become very, they just want their uh, uh, pubs to be working and uh, music to be performed and uh, demographically also they are declining significantly, particularly the northern part of Europe. It's phenomenally, it's less than one some of the country's reproductive rate. So that is, so it is required for Asian uh, rooted civilization to combine together. As of now, Japan is acting as a poodle of uh, white uh, thing, but that will go away. We have to get our uh, things uh, together. Our umbilical cords are tied to the West, to the white man. We have to recognize that very clearly. We have to understand that uh, we have to build new institutions globally. And we should join with China to build new global institutions. Like, United Nation and various other institutions which are not uh, G7 dominated. G7 role is, uh, as I told you, declining. Very important. And uh, not only that, we have to establish a world order where our multiplicity of our uh, flowers which are blossoming is uh, continued to be protected. We don't have to become Abrahamized or homogenized in order to deal with this and this is a very major challenge for Indian civilization. In other words, the diversity of Hindus have to be protected. At the same time, it has to be protect, protected against the onslaught of these uh, uh, violent uh, cultures. Of course, the fault lines within India is very well known. We are a democracy, we are not uh, something and that will be exploited, particularly by the whites. Whites are in desperate situation because they are declining. Declining civilizations are most dangerous. You go back in history, 16th century, 17th century, all. And Dutch were declining, they became very violent. French were declining because declining one, they can't even understand that they are declining. South Korea had a caste system. Taiwan had a caste system. China, mainland had a caste system. Hong Kong had a... These are all just, you know, you know. Uh, some reasons to be given and internally people are jumping and within India there are a large number of people who are not uh, fully dedicated to and uh, understand the India and Indian culture. For instance, anytime when uh, some western fellows criticize, immediately these people jump. Oh, we have been criticized and what if let them criticize and uh, some of them get funds and other things. So we are uh, going to have a marathon type of a issue and problems, massive. One is uh, those who are internally uh, settled but uh, not uh, comfortable about the idea of India which is emerging. Second is we are the only country you will be shocked to know that where our students in uh, foreign universities agitate against India and who has won Swamiji correctly observed, uh, you know, the Chinese students don't agitate against China, Japanese, so many other uh, countries students, they study there and then uh, come back, not Indian students. Most virulently and violently opposed India are people of Indian origin who are outside India. So this is another type of a, and they exploit the fault lines like anything, all sort of rumors, all sort of uh, uh, wrong things are told. Many of the smaller you know, local issues are made global. For instance, one church window is broken, immediately it will become a global issue. And immediately so many people will jump into that. Amnesty will issue a statement. US uh, civil rights group will issue statements. Or global can be made into local. Some, um, you know, uh, pastor told, if I recall correctly, in uh, US uh, television, that uh, prophet is uh, mentally imbalanced, which is the most uh, 
idiotic type of a statement to be made. But that white fellow pastor made that statement. You know, in a town called Bivandi in uh, Maharashtra, some seven people were killed by a rioting mob. It has got nothing to do with uh, people in India or uh, people. So some of the global are converted into local. So we have a huge type of a challenge. One is to recognize that we are a Hindu country. Absolutely no two opinion about it. In which everyone can flourish and live. We are polymorphic. Let me repeat it again. Multiplicity of flowers can blossom here. But we have to explicitly recognize we are a Hindu country and deal with this civilizational conflict which is going to rage for the next 30-40 years. And until and unless all these, uh, uh, you know, deserters understand that this is not uh, taking them anywhere. And in that, we have to be very, very, uh, you know, close and uh, alert with uh, uh, Buddhist, Confucianism and others in China. Let's not again and again think China is a communist country. China is not. Hardly 10% is uh, 11% is party members and they themselves do not consider them as they say that they are a socialist market economy with Chinese characteristics, whatever it means. Today, only three places communism is talked about. North Korea, where these media television says that every week that Rolly Polly, you know, fat fellow comes out and sees on one of those rockets. And the other one place where communism is talked about is outside JNU, there is a Daba. You can go there in the morning and see. So let's very clearly understand the conflict is between civilizations and the Asian civilizations, Buddhist, Jains and Hindus and various other combined with other type of civilizations flourishing or flourished in should come together. Thank you very much.